Hello and welcome. I am Kim Keen, host of the One of a Kind You podcast. I started this podcast to share my journey of my past self, a woman who was struggling with leaving her teaching career and adjusting to hit stay-at-home mom life, to help other women with their motherhood journeys or their work-life balance journeys so they can let go, make themselves a priority without all the sacrificing. So thank you so much for taking the time to tune into another episode this week. I am so thankful that you are here. And if you are new, welcome, welcome. I am so Thankful that you decided to stop by to check out this podcast to see what it's all about. So the way that this podcast works is that I share a journal entry of mine from about six years ago and I reflect on what I wish I knew now or which I wish I would have what I wish I would have known then and what I know now as a certified life coach to help me through the thick of the struggle. So let's just dive right in. So this journal entry is from May 25th, 2016. And I write Yesterday, I was listening to Joel, and he was giving his message about not letting people or situations steal your joy. So often I do this. It goes back to what I was writing about yesterday. And so for those of you who didn't listen to the previous episode, it was really just about feeling like I had no joy, and I always had this negative outlook, and um, just always feeling lost and defeated. But anyways, I continue with, I allow others to tell me what I should do and when. I allow them to tell me how to feel, how to think. Most of the time, it's indirect, but there are times, well, it is. I have to start living, thinking, and doing and doing in terms of what I want and what I think is best, not only for me, but for the girls and for my family. I have to stop caring what other people think of me and how they feel. It is going to be easier said than done. I just feel like I am wound so tight all of the time, walking on eggshells to make sure I don't say or do the wrong thing. It is exhausting and suffocating. The Journey to the Heart book talks about the mystery in life and learning to go with it. While you are on the ride, put your hands in the air and let the wind blow in your face. As I'm on this ride, I'm white knuckling the handle handlebars. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to miss out on any more of life's little moments. I want to live to the fullest. I also want to teach the girls to live this way. I want them to see me as a healthy role model. So it's interesting that last thing, um, it always pops out at me like just a raging siren when I see the way that I wrote in the past. Um, I wrote the girls instead of my girls. And that was That was one of the biggest things um, that I remember so clearly from this time in my life about being so worried what other people would think and um, allowing them to tell, like allowing them to tell me what to do and how to do things. And that really went back to parenting. That went back to the clothes that I wore, the thought, the things that I thought, um, not just like about myself, but about life in general. And so um, it was very hard for me at this stage to feel like my kids were actually my kids. I felt like I needed permission to parent them in the way that I wanted to parent them um, because I felt like if I tried that, then people would give me weird looks. They would make offhand comments and it was really frustrating because I... I know as moms, when we wake up, our whole lives revolve around making sure that our kids are well cared for and they know they're loved and their needs are met. And that, and that was me. I literally sacrificed every ounce of my being to make sure that my girls didn't have the childhood that I had, which wasn't horrible. It wasn't horrific. It definitely had challenges and it definitely wasn't 
great at times, but it definitely, it wasn't a horrific childhood. Um, I can look back and I, there are many happy times, um, as well as challenging times, but I just want to make sure that I did everything in my power so that my girls didn't grow up feeling about themselves the way that I felt about me as a kid. I had low self-esteem. I felt like I didn't fit in. I questioned myself all the time. I allowed people to take my power and I didn't want that for my kids. So my whole life, my whole being was to be sure that they had it different than I did as kids, but moving into teen years and then adult years too, which is funny because they were little at this time. They were only five and two. Um, but I just wanted to make sure that I was doing everything I could to break the cycle for them. But in that, I was so worried about doing it wrong. I was so worried about screwing up and traumatizing them and screwing them up and having them be in therapy or having them hate me or have a life filled with regrets or coulda, woulda, shouldas or whatever. I just was so worried about messing up because I wanted so badly for their life to be different than mine. And that was my perspective of as, as an adult who had been through a really rough year and a half of therapy, um, looking back on my childhood. And so now with a more clear head, I have the perspective to recognize that, yes, my childhood was not um, horribly abusive. It definitely had challenges. It, ha it had ups and downs. It definitely had painful moments. But when I was in therapy, it just seemed like I had the worst childhood of all childhoods. And that really was not the case. And so because I was so hyper-focused on that, I wanted more than anything for my girl's life to be different. And so um, one of the things, and I've shared this example before uh, very early on in this podcast, was that I um, signed my girls up for a particular after-school activity. We were doing gymnastics at a kid-centered um, gym where it wasn't necessarily competitive. It was more focused about the skills and having fun. And I mentioned it to my parent and... Um, they said that they would have liked to see the girls in a real sport like soccer or t-ball. And that was really kind of like, I'm sorry, what did you just say to me kind of moment? Because um, I didn't do a lot of extracurriculars as a kid. I was just talking about this with my girls the other day as we were driving home from school because um, we had the 90s channel on and there was Pump Up the Jam. And that was the song that we marched to for my baton routine when I did baton in fifth grade. And how my activity night usually fell on my mom's night. And my mom didn't get me that much as it was. Just a couple hours one night a week and then every other weekend. And so because it ended up happening that way, I wasn't enrolled consistently in extracurriculars the way that my girls are. So my girls have done, my younger has done dance for, I think she's going on her seventh year. Yes. And, um, they've done piano for four and, um, they did horseback riding. They've done swim and they've done a lot of different things, but I always make sure that I foster whatever their interest is. So when my parents said, Oh, you know, that's basically not a real sport. Shame on you. Uh, that was devastating me, but it also angered me because I thought, you know what? I'm their mom. And quite frankly, from what I can tell, I'm not doing that bad of a job. So why the criticism? But at this point in time, I didn't have really the full ability to say that to myself. 
and let things like that roll. And so because I was so worried about comments like that or um, when my girls were little, they loved ballet flats. And so I would get their ballet flats at Nordstrom. They were a little bit pricey, but when they would fall apart, you could take them back and get a refund or get a new pair of ballet flats. So it was worth spending a little bit of extra money because if they fell apart sooner than they were supposed to, it was covered. And plus I liked the experience of having someone fit their shoe for them where it like pay less, there wasn't really anyone there fitting their shoe to tell me if it fit properly. But anyways, I digress. But that was a choice that I made. I earned my money. And so because it was my money and I worked for it, I can decide how to spend it. But another family member thought it was absolutely ridiculous that I took them to the kids department at Nordstrom for their shoes and would tell me so. And I would get so anxious if they saw the girls with a new pair of shoes because I felt like I had to justify and explain to them why I made that purchase and why I made that decision. But then it dawned on me that um, the parents I'm talking about are my stat, my dad and my stepmom. My dad bought an $800 bike. He didn't ask my opinion about that. He went and bought his bike. But here I was worried about his opinion of me spending $40 on a pair of shoes for my kid. So it was like I had this realization, not in 2016, but many years after that. And this is what really helped I wish I had known in the moment to help move through it is that they don't ask me my opinion. They live their lives the way that they want to in a way that feels right for them in that moment, that feels aligned for them in that moment. Do they, you know, worry about my thought about their purchase on a bike? No. Do they worry about my thought on their purchase of their clothes? No. They have the philosophy that they've worked hard for that money. They've earned that paycheck. They can spend it as they please. And they don't let anyone tell them otherwise. But I was allowing myself to be told what to do. Because A, I was kind of saying things in a way that could be implied. I was looking for someone's opinion. I was looking for validation. I wasn't talking with um, this firm belief in myself that I had made the right decision and I could continue making the right decisions. I kind of showed up everywhere as like, you know, it was very clear that I was insecure. I was very clear that I was unhappy. It was very clear that I was wound so tight and I just needed someone to alleviate that pressure by saying, good job, Kim. But what ended up happening is because I was wound so tight, I was often met with a criticism or I was met with feedback that wasn't the most serving feedback. And then I internalized that even more and got wound tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. And so that really was the struggle because I could not um, enjoy the mystery in life. I, I just couldn't because I was so stuck in my head. I had lost the, the, the ability to trust myself, to live, from my, to live from a place of authenticity, like in, from my heart. And because I had lost that ability, I was showing up all the time in this very naive, uh, damaged goods kind of way. And I just, I didn't know it. But because I was showing up like that, I couldn't allow myself to just give myself the freedom to be like, whatever happens, happens. I was squeezing onto life so hard that I wasn't only suffocating myself, I was suffocating those around me. And so, it's easy to say, oh, who cares what people think of you? 
we're wired to care what people think of us. I mean, think about it. Back in the caveman days, that was how we survived. If we did something that made the group uncomfortable, we were ostracized from the group. And then, you know, the saying there, strength in numbers. So we didn't want to be the one out on the outskirt of the group, of the herd of people, the community, because then that meant we had to fend for ourselves and the chances of us, of us surviving were far slimmer and the chances of us getting eaten by a saber-toothed tiger were far greater. So we are wired to, on some level, fit in, with those around us and not push the boundaries too much because when we push the boundaries too much, um, it can create a lot of uncertainty and it can create a feeling of disconnection. But here's the funny part was that I felt disconnected and I had so much uncertainty and I wasn't pushing the boundaries. I really wasn't. I was clinging to them desperately, but that's why I still was creating that that disconnection and that massive amount of uncertainty because I was relying so heavily on that external validation. I was requiring, relying so heavily on someone to be like, yes, good choice. Or I completely agree. Or, oh yeah, I, I used to do that too. Or, oh yeah, I've had that same experience. <clears throat> and I didn't know who I was going to get it from, when I was going to get it, but I just so desperately wanted that. And then it didn't come. And so then I felt even more disconnected, not even just from myself, but those from those around me too, from my kids, from my husband, from my family. So I was literally creating this isolation box around myself, basically putting myself in a jail in solitary confinement because I was so incredibly worried about other people's thoughts of me. I was so worried of doing what I thought they wanted me to do. And I was allowing them to tell me how to do things so that I would be so certain that I would do it in just the right way so that I would be able to feel like I was doing a good job, like I mattered, like I made it. And at the end of the day, I was literally torturing myself with a slow mental and emotional death. And so you know, I talked about how I don't, I wanted something different for my girls. I didn't want them to grow up to be an adult woman that felt the way that I did at this time of my life. But so I knew I had to be a role model for them, but I was struggling to actually do it because I was so stuck in the moment. And I guess on some level, you could say that this all goes back to being a people pleaser because I didn't want to rock the boat. I didn't want to um, be seen as unworthy, not good enough. I didn't want to feel unloved. I didn't want to feel um, disconnected. I very much wanted to be a part of the group. I very much wanted to feel like I belonged. And so because I was literally sacrificing myself to get this fake interaction and love and connection from those around me, I was not being a role model for my girls. And I didn't really know how to do it because I could not bring myself to do something that would 
upset the dynamic that was in that was currently existing at that time. The dynamic was my husband, the dynamic was my family, the dynamic with strangers, which is silly because it's like I'll never see them again. But I just needed things in that moment to feel like they were going smoothly, but they weren't feeling that way at all. And so if I look back on where I was at that point, I would have said to myself, okay, at the end of the day, who is responsible for making sure that your kids are fed, bathed, clothed, loved, cared for, all of the things that help them thrive and succeed and continue to develop and grow into healthy children? Whose responsibility is that? 100%, not 25%, not only when they see them every once in a while, but every day, 24-7, 100% of the time, it was mine. And so I I wish I had known then to just say, this is my journey as a parent with my kids. This feels aligned in this moment. So this is what I'm doing. Regardless of what other people think, This feels right to me. And because it feels right to me, that's enough. That's enough. The other thing I wish I had been able to tell myself and to recognize in that moment is that no one was checking in with me, looking for validation from me, because they were all trusting themselves that they were moving through life in a way that worked. Whether it works or not is not for me to decide, but was it working for them in that moment? Yep. So they went with it. And I needed to be able to do the same for myself. Because if I had been able to do that, I would have been able to feel the hair in my wind, the the hair in my wind, the wind in my hair, you know, the metaphorical wind in my hair. I would have been able to feel that I would have been able to let go. And I would have actually been able to have fun. And so This past weekend, um, my daughter turned, well, my daughter turns 10 today um, when I'm recording this on the 29th, Um, but on Sunday, we got together with my in-laws for Thanksgiving because we weren't able to have Thanksgiving with them on Thanksgiving Day, and my sister-in-law is a really good example of someone who is able to let loose and have fun. Because she is confident in the decisions that she makes. She trusts what she's doing is right for herself, for her family, for her kids. Whether people agree with her or not. She she trusts herself. She follows her gut. And so um, I always get really great reminders from her of how to let the wind flow through your hair. How to put your hands in the air as you're going down the big... Uh, the big, big hill on the roller coaster, she makes everything into a game. So for this year's birthday game, we played Would You Rather. And so um, it was Would You Rather Casey style. So there were 15 questions and we had to guess which one Casey would pick. So was it um, shopping in Stone Harbor on the main street or going tubing on the boat? And so there were 15 questions like that. And I think, oh, right, that's right. Kelly likes to play a game at someone's birthday, a game that celebrates that person. 
and that we all get to know that person a little bit better or connect with them a little bit more deeply. And so it's these types of things that I didn't allow us to do back then. I didn't allow myself. Um, I'll say I allowed my kids because they had, you know, toys that fostered their imagination, dress up a kitchen center dolls with the doll furniture and the baby doll food and all of that stuff. So they were able to do that spontaneously on their own. But I had a hard time integrating into having fun with them because I was wound so tight and also um, creating these fun family moments too. And again, it was because I was overthinking everything for the fear that I was going to upset or disappoint someone for something and whatever it was, I didn't even know in the moment, but I just thought it's going to happen. I just didn't know it. So allow yourself to be spontaneous and have a little fun. And it could be something so simple as, you know, wearing a pair of fun earrings that day. And so that was how I challenged myself back in 2018 or 2019, I guess it was 2019, was to wear a pair of fun earrings every day for a week. Like big earrings that I would never in a million years usually wear. But I made it fun. I went to the store, I picked them out, and I imagined what outfit I could wear them with. And I actually wore them. And so it can be something really small like that. But just allow yourself to let go of that handlebar just a little bit. Do it gradually each and every day. So that way when you throw your hands up in the air as the roller coaster is going down the last big dip, it feels exhilarating but not uncomfortable or unnatural. So I hope that you found this episode helpful. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I am so appreciative. And if you think that this episode would help a friend, please feel free to share because the more the merrier. And if you would be so kind to leave a review, I would really appreciate that as well. I take all time to read all the reviews on my own to ensure that this podcast continues to be a place of guidance, a place where you feel supported, really a one-stop shop for a resource um, because let's face it, us women, we have to stick together. So thanks so much for tuning in and I will see you next week.